Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday Night Mystery Club. I'm your host, Caitlin McCluskey, and today I'm joined by my best friend, Charlotte's mom, Dawn. Hello, Dawn. Hey, Caitlin. I'm so happy to be here and I hope <laughs> I don't disappoint. I, I, I hope I don't, I don't embarrass think you will Charlotte. But Charlotte, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, could, it could just bring shame upon the family, but I'm I'm game. I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but the first egg of the Christie book I ever read was one of yours, a copy of your books. Well, do you know what? I have I read every single Agatha Christie, some of them two or three times, and I've been an avid fan since I was in my teens. <laughs> And I think, you know, I own every single one. Yep. Yep. I, uh, I borrow them from time to time if I'm yeah. missing something. <laughs> good, good, good for me to know. <laughs> I, I will Charlotte, now... Charlotte told me. Now I'll be checking. But go on. <laughs> you, I don't, I think. Uh... <laughs> I'm being a thief. <laughs> Charlotte only gives me, will lend me a copy if it's a. Uh... If it's not a, you know, really old one or antique special edition. There you go. Those ones you make sure to keep in the house. I've got a few. <laughs> so I tried to pick out this. We are doing an Agatha Christie today. Do you remember the mysterious Mr. Quinn? Um, He's usually, if I recall, does short stories. Yes, that's yeah. correct. But I have not, I'll be honest with you, I'm an avid Agatha Christie, but I have not shamefully read any Agatha Christie, oh God, for the last 10 years. <laughs> well, good. So you haven't read this, no, hopefully, recently. No, I, I doubt it. And I don't have a good memory because I'm like really old now, but go on. <laughs> so the the story we're doing today is called The Sign in the Sky, and this short story collection was written in 1930. Okay. And I don't even remember the title, so go. <laughs> so so from this short story collection, it was um, this character, Mr. Satterthwaite. And he is kind of like the narrator to some degree. And in every short story, he runs into the mysterious Mr. Quinn, who just happens to be conveniently around at different points in his life. Right. Okay. Yes. So Mr. Satterthwaite has just left a trial. Yeah, I, I guess he was sitting in just like listening. I, I think it was because he kind of knew the people that were the case was happening about. And it was a murder trial. So the defendant had been found guilty of murdering, murdering this woman. Okay. And so the character's names are the guy who was found guilty. His name is Mr. Martin Wilde. Okay. And the victim was Sir George Barnaby's young wife, Lady Barnaby. Lady Barnaby. Okay. Yes. So, you know, Mr. Satisfaite's kind of thinking about this mystery and he decides to go in for a drink or something or maybe some food at his favorite restaurant. And he goes back to his, his favorite table because this is his favorite restaurant. So he, you know, he's got a spot. And who could he possibly find sitting at the table, Don? Mr. Quinn. Yes. <laughs> okay. So so he's pumped up because he every time he sees Mr. Quinn, they have, you know, great conversation. And so he sits down and they they have dinner together. Okay. And they talk about this this case. And so Mr. Satterthwaite, like one of his like strong suits is he's able to kind of describe 
what's happening around him. Mm-hmm. Or I guess give good description of people. Yep. And so he he kind of describes the case and the details to Mr. Quinn, who Mr. Quinn was is like, no, I don't know anything about it. Which his his like whole mysterious aura about him is like, does he not know anything, or does he just want Mr. Satterthwaite to talk about it? We're not sure. And if I recall, Mr. Quinn just always happens to be there, and you never really know why. Yes. Okay. Correct. And he like he doesn't have a permanent address. He he never yeah. seems to know how long he's going to be somewhere. It's just he's just and his presence is always very timely. Yes, exactly. So that's kind of how it's happened with this uh with this because Mr. Satterthwaite, you can tell he feels like he he doesn't feel completely satisfied that that guy that just was found guilty was actually guilty. There's there's some doubt there for him. He's uneasy. Yes. Uneasy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, so he's describing the characters or the, the, these people involved. And so Martin, I guess we'll start with, so Sir, Sir George was like a, you know, wealthy kind of older gentleman. And he had married Lady Barnaby when she was pretty young. And so at this point, I don't know how, maybe how long they've been together, but Lady Barnaby has grown up a little bit. She's still pretty young and she's starting to feel trapped. Like she's married to this older man. She made this decision and she didn't really know what she was getting herself into. Okay. And then, so she, I think, you know, Sir George is, he's, he's one of those people that's pretty set in his ways. Like he, he turns back, he, uh, turns his clocks every Friday and he does his bills every Tuesday. Like he's he, maybe a little boring <laughs> might be a word to describe it. He's very meticulous about details and about, and it's set yes. in his way. Yes. And so Lady Barnaby is feeling a little Bored. like she wants to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. He's very predictable. Yes, for sure. So Lady Barnaby meets this this young man, Martin Wilde, who is a farmer at like a nearby farm to their house. And she kind of sees in him like this way out. Like he's he's a man kind of closer to her age and he's got this different lifestyle. And so they, I think, start like carrying on an affair where, you know, they write letters to each other and are, are meeting up and that kind of thing. Shameless. Go on. <laughs> And it kind of seems like it's found afterwards that Martin had kept all of the letters, whereas Lady Barnaby had had gotten rid of all of hers. And it kind of seems like Martin Wilde was kind of starting to cool off from the romance. And he had actually started seeing another girl from, I think, was maybe like the chemist's daughter or something. Like she she lived in town. Okay, that's interesting that he kept the letters. (laughs) Yeah, so they kind of describe it as that it shows how they were interested, like for Lady Barnaby, like, not that it was a joke to her, but it was maybe a little less serious. Do do you mean like, he was painting the picture that um, Lady Barnaby decided that because Martin was seeing somebody else that maybe it wasn't as serious or she was just never really that serious about it? I, I think it's I think it's the idea of like she didn't necessarily like Martin. She saw him as like a way out of the relationship she was in. He was just a diversion. Yeah, he was just conveniently there. But she was, I think, upset about him seeing this other girl. And I'll read you the letter that she had she had sent to Martin um, on the day that she died. Oh, okay. So it was her that died. Yes, Lady Barnaby is the is the woman who got murdered. 
by who they have currently found guilty in court is Martin Wilde. But Mr. Satterthwaite is kind of thinking that maybe Martin isn't guilty. He's not sure. Okay. So not, and just so I'm really clear, Martin Wilde was the kind of guy she was having the affair with, not the old man. Yes, correct. The Her older husband is Sir George Barnaby. Got it. Okay, go on. Okay. So this letter that she wrote to him said, I will leave the side door open for you so that no one need know you have been here. I shall be in the music room. Hmm. Okay. And we know that that went to Martin Wilde for sure? Uh, he had it in his possession. Oh, okay. He just had it in his possession. Okay. And it was I think, her. like, or is that back home? Yes. And so the idea is that he, when they had found her dead, he had said that he had never been to the house, which they had proved not true because they had found his fingerprints on like the, the glasses in the room and the door. And then they had found this note in his house saying that he was to meet, meet her there at around six o'clock hmm. at, the, at, the, at their house. Caitlin, just out of yeah. curiosity, and where did they, how did they determine he, like, how did they determine he had been to the house? They found fingerprints? Yeah. And where did they find the fingerprints? They were on, um, there were like glasses in the room, in the music room. His fingerprints okay. were on the glasses and the side door okay. that he would have come in. Okay. So Go he on. then, he then admits that he was there, that he had been lying before. So did, there isn't, there isn't too much doubt that he had been into the house. Okay. But what's kind of difficult to get around is that she had been shot with Martin's gun and Martin claims that he had left his gun behind by accident. Sorry to so say that. a little suspicious. The lady Barnaby, the woman who had been shot, she had been shot with Martin's gun, the guy that she had been having an affair with. And yeah. Martin says that that's because when he had gone to see her that evening around six, he had, when he had left, he had forgotten his gun. he had left it behind him. So he says someone else shot her. It wasn't him. Mm, okay. Go on. So Martin claims that he had left a minute or two after 6.15, so maybe like 6.17, he had left the house. Mm-hmm. And it was at 6.20 when all of the servants had heard the shot and gone running into the music room. So they're kind of verifying that three minutes later they heard a shot after he says he left. Exactly. Okay. And they all, they, they've all testified testified to say like they all kind of had the exact same story just coming from different parts of the house they hadn't seen anyone they had just found her dead except for there was one servant that had she hadn't testified because she had moved to Canada shortly afterwards of course go on (laughs) yes which leads me to Dawn I don't know if you know this but I have been doing a tea pairing with my episodes okay so this week I'm drinking a Canadian breakfast tea for this this girl in Canada. <laughs> well done. And I hope it's maple tea. <laughs> Just saying. That would be a good one. Yeah, maple. Any, anyone back home, something that makes you think of Canada. That's the tea you should drink. <laughs> That's right. Not English breakfast, but some sort of maple tea. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the shot was heard at 620, except for one servant. So pick up with her the one servant said she testified so that one servant she had she had been at the inquest and I think had also said 620 but she hadn't been at the trial because she's now moved to Canada so she did it's not that she testified something different she just didn't testify at the trial she wasn't around oh okay that's interesting go on yes so we'll put a pin in that 
<laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm putting a pin in that because that's unusual that that somehow she got to leave when there's a trial either mm-hmm. coming up or making a mental note go on. Okay. So something else on that kind of note of making a mental note, when the servants had kind of got their, they had seen, you know, found this woman dead and it took them a few minutes to kind of get their wits about them. And when they had finally gone to call the police, uh, the telephone had been out of order. So they couldn't call the police. They had to like go into town to get them. Interesting. Or go to a neighborhood house or something like that. Okay. So the phone was down. Right. And so then they start kind of looking into who else could it have been. So, mm-hmm. you know, Martin, Martin Wilde has been tried and found guilty. So he's, he was obviously the prime suspect, but who else was there? Mm-hmm. So, so they, they looked at Sir George Barnaby, the husband, but he had been at, he had been invited over to play bridge and had been playing at bridge just a few houses down the road and had left that house at 630 is when like the last game had ended. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of out. Okay. Then no one really suspects the servants. So they've kind of like left them out. And then there was a secretary to the husband, Sir George. Okay. So the secretary, his name was Henry Thompson, George, Sir George's secretary. And he had been in a meeting in London at the time of the shooting. So he's kind of left out. So why are you bringing him up? So he would normally be around. And so he's... Correct. Yeah, he lived in the house. Oh, he lived in the house. So he wasn't even on the premise. And the servants were what they Sir George was out to play bridge. And he's supposedly accounted for till 6.30. Yeah. With with witnesses. Okay. Sorry, go on. And then the... The last person is this, the woman, she hasn't been introduced yet, but her name is Sylvia Dale. And she was the, she was the girl that Martin Wilde had started seeing. He had started going with her instead of the dead woman, Lady Barnaby. Go on. So, so (laughs) she's kind of a suspect because of that. Maybe she wanted to get rid of the other woman, but she had been seeing someone off by the 628 train in town. So she was, she had, you know, she had an alibi or a witness with her. Okay. How convenient. Go on. <laughs> so Mr. Quinn kind of does his thing where he just like, he kind of hints at things without saying anything. And what he's hinting at and kind of makes Mr. Satterthwaite say he should do is he's like, well, I basically he says you need to go to Canada and talk to that, that house, housekeeper, servant girl who moved there. Got it. Okay. I, I can't wait to hear what Mr. Quinn said. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Satterthwaite is what, like, you can't possibly be suggesting I go to Canada. And Mr. Quinn goes, well, I didn't say that. You said that. Like, it's that kind of back and forth. But Mr. Right. Satterthwaite kind of decides that he wants to go. So he, he kind of starts to figure that out. Right. Okay. Okay. So, so it sounds like somewhere in there, Mr. Quinn... It's just let him know that, yes, you need to go to Canada, <laughs> even though you <laughs> I need to go to Canada. Canada, you need to go to Canada and confirm that, <laughs> yes, you're right. You need to go to yes. Canada. Okay. <laughs> so so he, he calls up the, um, the butler of the Barnaby household and finds out that the servant girl's name was Louisa Bullard. Okay. She's been housemaid. And they kind of figure out 
he's trying to figure out where she'd moved to. And he's like, oh, well, she never gave her address, but it was a Scottish sounding town near the mountains. And then he goes, of course, I forgot it. It's Banff. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Go on. Canada's a small place, of course. (laughs) Apparently. Yeah. And she's chosen somewhere incredibly scenic, but that's okay. (laughs) So, so of course, Mr. Satterthwaite travels out to Canada and they make it seem like it took such a short amount of time, although I'm sure it took five ever to get there. Right. But he finds her without an address. He finds Louisa. I guess Banff isn't a big place. That's not super shocking. I've been there and it's not a big place, but you know. It's not that small either. Go on. No, it's not. So she ends up work. She's working at like that. What's the hotel in Banff called? Like the one on. Oh, I, like, actually, I don't even know this. It's very, very. It's um, I stayed in it. And it's a majestic. Is it the Lake Louise one? No, the it's Fairmont a, or something. What's it the Fairmont. It's it's one of their yeah. hotels. It's incredible incredible okay. it's huge and it's everything an agatha christie should take place in go on there you go okay so she is she has found a job there and mm-hmm. she kind of describes that she's not surprised that martin wilde had been arrested she kind of read about it in the papers and that she's kind of telling him how he's asking a bunch of questions about the day like he's trying to figure out like could you know could, is there anything you could know And she tells him how she had known something was going to happen that day because she had, you know, she had been getting dressed and had happened to look out the window and seen there was a train passing by that had given like a billow of smoke and the smoke had looked like a, um, the symbol of a large hand. And so she had known it to be the hand of God. And then right after that, the shot was heard. Like she heard the shot and went running to the music room. Okay. So I, my guess is that smoke is, is important, but go on. <laughs> so Mr. Satterthwaite's kind of disappointed because basically she she's not giving him anything other than what the other servant said was that, you know, she heard the shot and then, yeah, no one had been in the house and yada, yada, yada. And the only thing he kind of does get out of her that's new is that the post had been suggested to her by Mr. Thompson, the secretary, and that the wages were so high she couldn't turn it down. So in other words, that somehow she was being directed up to Banff. Sounds like it. And to get out of Dodge. And and yeah. who was that who who did that again? So she she says it had been suggested to her by Mr. Thompson, the secretary, and that there had been there had been like a middleman who had organized it all for for her. Mr. Thompson He's the secretary to who? Sir George Barnaby, the husband to the wife who had died. Who is Henry Thompson? I thought you said he was the secretary. Yes, Mr. Thompson or Henry Thompson. He's the secretary. Oh, okay. Sorry. He's the secretary to Sir George. It's Sir George's secretary. You want to know what's really funny is uh, and why I thought like I had two different Thompsons. As I spelled the first time I spelled Thompson, T-H-O-M-A-S. And the second time I spelt it T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. And I was going, Caitlin, I'm so clever. I'm so clever in my cleverness. And that's the mystery. The two Thompsons are actually one and the same. (laughs) Okay. So 
Sir George's secretary kind of was encouraging her to leave town. So that's that's how she had seen it. But then he goes to see the, the middleman that had helped her get to Canada. And he kind of makes it sound like um, Mr. Thompson had been acting for his employer, Sir George. Yeah. And so then Satterthwaite is kind of thinking it could be either. It could be, you know, Mr. Thompson saying that it was his boss or it could be the boss getting Mr. Thompson to do it. Like he, now he's not sure who was really pushing for her to be out, out of the country. Okay. So meaning what you're saying is depending on who is, where the motivation was coming from, meaning it could have Sir George trying to push his secretary, get her out of town, or it could have been Thompson knowing something right. and wanting to get her out of the right. way. Okay. I feel like this mm-hmm. is a pivotal point. Go on. <laughs> So that's kind of all Mr. Satterthwaite can do. Like he, That's all the information he can get out of either of them. So he heads back to England and conveniently meets up with Mr. Quinn, who just happens to be in the same restaurant again. You of know, course. obviously. Yes. <laughs> like he never left. So they they talk about, uh, like he, he tells them of his experience and says, like, oh, it's too bad. It was a complete bust. And Mr. Quinn kind of goes, was it though? Was it a complete bust? And... They, they kind of have a discussion about that a little bit. What do you think? Was it a complete bust or do you think he's got something going on? I, I, like clearly something's going on. And I think I'm really back with the smoke in the hand of God. Like I think that was mm. obviously, I think it's writing on the alibi that they heard the gunshots. Those guys saying we heard the gunshots at this moment in time. I think that's really deceptive. Mm-hmm. because that's what's clearing the other guy and she's saying she saw smoke mm. and then she heard I think she said she heard gunshots later but it doesn't matter she she saw the hand of God which is the smoke potentially from a gun earlier <laughs> which would not clear the other guy I see I'm just wondering just saying yeah yeah that's exactly the the things you're thinking about yeah so I'm just trying to think to myself about Mm -hmm. like to me it makes me wonder about noise and how it carries it makes me wonder about filters and guns it makes me wonder about you know the fact that she did see that smoke that's kind of telling and it makes it really interesting it makes you wonder if she didn't see or hear something Mm -hmm. that made them obviously want to get her out of the way did she ever get to testify in court no she she gave, I think, a testimony at the inquest, but not in court. Okay. Which means she probably saw or heard something that was like, to the rest of them. Right. So pretty close to, to where, there's a couple more things that Mr. Quinn kind of asked. So he kind of, he says to Mr. Cyrus, wait, well, can you give me, you're so good at describing the people. Can you give me kind of a description of the house? And so Mr. Satterthwaite obliges and he's kind of saying, you know, it was, technically a country house like that was it was 19 miles outside of london which we know that's not the suburbs right don that's total country mm-hmm. so so he's they're kind of describing that it, it should have been a country house but, you know it's very modern inside and comfortable and it kind of felt like a hotel and then mr quinn says like oh yeah i've heard the train service to get there is really bad but mr quinn goes no 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 they're very trains are very on time you know, they only run every hour, but the, you know, the up train at, or the, I don't know which way's up and which way's down, but uh, comes on the hour at the 48 
and then the other one going the other directions at uh, on the hour at whatever at six at uh, twenty eight, so at the half hour type thing. And then they 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 kind of both sit down to like think things over. And this is kind of when it's gesticulating and they're they're figuring out what's gone on. So your turn, Don, to to think it through. Well, I I'm gonna go loop right back, Caitlin, to the beginning, which is I always find with these things the whole idea of that the fact that Sir George was very meticulous and very predictable mm-hmm. and in details. Mm-hmm. And so he would know the train schedule in and out. And I feel mm-hmm. like there's something in there in terms of he would, um, because he's an asshole and an older guy, he was probably really into this woman and right. was and was probably really burned when he found she was having an affair, even if to her it was nothing more than, you know, whatever. And so... Mm-hmm framing Martin Wilde would be brilliant for him. Um, Like Mm -hmm. he'd want to get rid of her and take him out. And so the question is to me, Mm -hmm. how did he do do that? And because that to me is he did it, but how did he do it? Mm -hmm. And the train and the train schedule to me is really important. Mm -hmm. 620, they heard the shot 617 Martin left. I'm assuming in there somewhere, oh, in the whole play bridge stuff, mm-hmm. he would have been really on top of that about where he thought he needed to be with all of this in terms of mm-hmm. shooting her. And that's as far as I can get. I think he did. The question is, is quite, how did he do it? And, right. and I'm, and, and they wanted her out of the way because she obviously saw something and said something that was just a little bit off and it had to do with the smoke from that train, which meant to me, it actually may have happened earlier. And mm. I'm wondering if there weren't two guns involved. I feel like maybe there's two guns involved. Okay. And they, they just took one gun. I don't Ah, uh, brought it away with them. Yeah, like I'm wondering, something like that. Because the guy, I'm just thinking St. George, Sir George, I just know that, the, especially the way Agatha writes, is mm-hmm. stuff like that ends up being really important, like in terms of character structure and what she's saying. And, and somebody who's really meticulous, and really predictable. And yeah, so that's, although, you know what's kind of throwing me a bit is that Martin Wilde kept his, the letters. And mm. women didn't, which means somewhere in right. there, that's important too. Oh, you're just faking. You're like, mm, right. Um, <laughs> I know, but I, I find that, I find that a little bit because Sir George had to have found out somehow. He like, right. He, okay. right? he needed to, to find out and be aware. I'm just assuming he was, it was him. And it was him trying to figure out how to do his stuff. And that's as good as it gets. And it has to do with that train. It has to do with that. And I think the timing's off. And I wouldn't be surprised if there weren't two guns involved. How's that? Sounds good. Do you want to hear if you're right or wrong or not? Absolutely. No, I don't. Bye. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they've kind of, you know, they, they are, you're saying the trains are important and they're kind of agreeing, both Mr. Satterthwaite and Mr. Quinn are thinking about these train schedules and realizing that 
Louisa Bullard had seen the smoke from the train and we know that the train would have left the station at 628 because we said it's on time and the shot was her she heard the shot right after she had seen the smoke from the train so the shot couldn't have been fired at 620 it had to have been fired after 628 mm-hmm. and so then they kind of jump back to that that Sir George was so meticulous and that he was in charge of winding the clocks. And so they say it would have been the easiest thing in the world for him to just set the clocks back to make it look yes. like it was 6.20 when it was actually 6.30. Yes. Isn't that what I said? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> kind of close. Just pretending. Yeah. So, so 6.30, so he had, he had left bridge when he said he did, but he had just snuck in through the back and shot, he had picked up uh, Martin Wilde's gun that he found where, where he kind of expected it to be, had shot her and then had run back so that he could look like he was leaving the friend's house when the servants came to get him to tell him what had happened. The only part that escapes me is how was he Mm -hmm. to know that the gun was going to be left behind? I thought the same thing. I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay, we've found an Agatha hole here. <laughs> I think we've Flaw found hole. one. Yeah, one of the few. But <laughs> like seriously, how would he know that the guy was going to bring a gun and then leave it behind? I don't know. They don't go into it. It's not talked about. But I kind of thought the same thing of. This kind of was riding on that he left the gun behind. Or that he even had the gun in the first place. That's a pretty big leap, my friend. Like, oh, well, it's not to me that he had the gun (laughs) in the first place. Because it could have been common then. Like in Texas, it's common for everybody to carry a gun with them. That's fair. Right? And so it could have been really the culture then that everybody had a gun. So that's not the issue. The issue is for me that the whole thing was the guy said, I left my gun behind. Well, how was anybody to know? So that, 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 what you and I are now describing is one of the few, because I'm an Agatha Christie fan, weaknesses (laughs) in one of the stories. Yeah. She's missed something. Hasn't described it fully. But I love how she always weaves Mr. Quinn in. And Mr. Quinn often is really, he just shows up and how he just asks a few well-pointed questions and mm, a few well-pointed yeah. reflections back get the right. reader to the next spot without actually so really that was, saying that was kind anything. of like how he's asking asking about the train schedule like oh oh i've heard the trains are are the service isn't that great to make you think about it again right right exactly and no, all that when it's kind of like a red herring, but on the other hand, it's not. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of oh, those can't be reliable, but then you go back to the very beginning around Sir George being very meticulous about these things. Loved it, Caitlin. It's great, and you know what? I'll have to say, I'm familiar with Mr. Quinn, very familiar. But I, I, and I vaguely kind of remember that story. But I didn't remember that story. Mm, Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I certainly didn't Good. remember the, the end of it. So that that was a real pleasure. I'm so glad you liked it. No, I loved it. Thank you. And you know, anytime you <laughs> want me back, I am 
happy to do this again. That was fun. Fantastic. Okay. Okay. I'll keep you in the loop. Okay. So I have a, a couple of things for for my listeners. If you like this story and you want to hear more, you can listen to, I think I have now over 24 more episodes. You can go listen to Tuesday Night Mystery Club, anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you want to have updates on the show or see pictures of the books I'm reading, you can follow me on Instagram at Tuesday Night Mystery Club. And I now have a Patreon. So if you'd like to support the show more, if you'd like to join the community and get bonus content, you can click the link in the description or go to patreon.com slash Tuesday Night Mystery Club. And a shout out to my current patrons who are Michael Borello, Barb McLean, and Debbie Kravis. So thank you all. And thank you, Don. Thank you so much for coming on with me. It was a real pleasure. And thanks for having me. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.